Bible. We're glad you're here. Hey, this has got to be one of my favorite songs. It's called Chain Breakers by that old track leader. There's a lot of fun to sing. You know, there's a lot of things that hold us down and draw us down, try to keep us from thriving in the name of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Our God is a chain breaker. He's a way maker. He's a chain breaker. All right, would you stand with us and let's sing it together. Here we go. been wandering the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, right? You're trying to fill the same old holes inside. I love this. There's a better life, right? There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker.
fantastic today. I hope you're doing well this morning. I don't know if the green tent rule is in effect on Sunday, but I need to run home. So um, Todd, I'm right behind you, buddy. Anyway, we're glad that you're here for worship this morning. And if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. And the one thing that we would ask is that we would go out and make sure that you have located where to meet us. There's a place to receive our weekly newsletter, or if you're in the parish that we would love to hear from you. So later on in the service, when you come up our offering, you can drop that in the plate and we'll get out to you and make sure that you have that. And as we continue to worship, let's take a moment to stand and greet those around us. Maybe say hello, fist bump, or however you do that. Don't pinch anybody if you're not wearing green, though. young I got lost in drugs and alcohol and and I come from a good family so they decide to send me to United States thinking that new people new area might help and that's what I received Jesus Christ I never thought that I was going to come back to Comarillo but I made few trips visit my family here and, and I start seeing the neighborhood and the people of my neighborhood, my people differently from all those times before and that's how God start working in my life to, you know, give me the desire to come back to Comerio and start a church but then everything changed. I think about the damage that Hurricane Maria caused in Comerio, I was so heartbroken because I knew my people need help. We didn't have any electricity and uh, we didn't have any water. And watching clothes for us was really tough. And God started putting the desire on me to do like a laundry. We shared the gospel and prayed so many people at the watcher machine area. Since we are following Jesus, following God on this, God quickly moved us to start a church to see those people getting baptized. For me, that's exactly what God wanted to get done here in Comerio. So when people give to the Honey Armstrong offering, I see that they are not just putting money in a place, but they are investing in people's life, in someone else's eternal life. And that means a lot.
keep me from a stronger rise, a stronger rise to see. Though my heart may fail, a stronger rise, a stronger rise to be. Now this breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to thee. When the world is blind, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to thee. While there's hope in
Hebrew story in 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings. It says this. Uh, this is 2 Chronicles 20, 17. It says, you will, not, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give to Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. In 2 Kings it says this. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, Joshua, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down on him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to his word, according to the word of Elisha. The word, the word says, come back to the spirit of heaviness with the garment of praise. That's how we fight our battles. That's how we fight our battles, right? This is how I'm fighting my battle, right? Sing with us. Here we go. This is how I'm fighting my battle, right? This is how I'm fighting my battle. Hey, all right. <laughs> yeah. This is how I'm fighting my battle. Well, it may look like one thing. Here we go. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You know what I mean? Sing. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's right. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how we fight. This is how we fight my battle. This is how I 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 fight my battle. Make this your war cry. This is how I fight my battle. That's right. This is how I fight my battle.
enemy surrounding you. It's like they're all around. You think, Lord, how am I going to get through this? Pray that the Lord will open your eyes to see the army that is surrounding the enemy. God is on your side. And that's how we fight our battles. We don't fight our battles with, with sword and shield and physical armor. We, we do it with spiritual armor. We go before the Lord and we worship Him on our knees. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight. We fight our battles. This is how 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 we fight our battles. Lord, sometimes it seems that the enemy has us surrounded, but we believe what Psalm 139.5 says, you have surrounded me on every side, behind me and before me, and you have placed your gentle hand on my shoulder. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being the army of angels that surround your people, protecting us from the fiery darts of the evil one. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. It's good to see you here today. I didn't get to be here with a lot of worship this morning. I was in the fourth and fifth grade in our connection group. Once each year I go and share the gospel in our fourth and fifth grade Sunday school. What a privilege it is to talk to children about uh, becoming a follower of Jesus. I was about that age in the fourth grade when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And kids were precious to me, and so uh, I'll be doing that again at 945. I appreciate you praying for me as I share the good news uh, with children, give them the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. Today I want to share with you a law that God has built into his creation that is very important that we understand. It's a law that's just as real of, as the law of gravity. You know, it's important to understand the law of gravity. Keeps you from stepping out of second floor windows and something. You understand, right? The law of gravity. This law is just as important. It's called the law of the harvest. And the law of the harvest is that you harvest what you plant. You reap what you sow. God's built that into our universe. If a Coffee County farmer plants corn, do you know what they're going to harvest at harvest time? They're going to harvest corn because that's what they planted. The, the size of the yield is not guaranteed, weather and other factors, but the type of harvest is guaranteed. Suppose two farmers are at the co-op talking and one of them says, <clears throat> Boy, soybean prices are high this year. I hope I harvest soybeans this year. And the second farmer says, did you plant soybeans this year? No, I didn't know prices were going to be high. I planted corn, but I hope I, I hope I get a harvest of soybeans this year. And that far, other farmer would say, you numbskull, you're not going to harvest what you don't plant, right? 
the same law of the harvest applies in the spiritual realm. You're not going to harvest what you don't plant. This law of the harvest is stated in the book of Galatians. I've been preaching through the book of Galatians. We come to the end of it today. The law of the harvest is stated in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You reap what you sow, you harvest what you plant. Let me share with you some implications of that law of the harvest that are in these verses. First of all, this means that you can't fool God or you can't outwit God because you're going to reap what you sow. Look at verse 7, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. So there's some people going to try to mislead you and tell you that you don't always get what you sow. But they're wrong. So don't, don't let people mislead you in thinking that for some reason the law of the harvest will not be operational in your life. Don't be misled because God cannot be mocked. That means you can't fool God, can't pull one over on God, you can't outwit God. A man reaps what he sows. So this means that, that you, you can't get by with sin. Every sin is going to be punished. Every sin that's ever been committed is going to receive a punishment. That is the law of the harvest. And some of the reaping for what we sow in terms of sin comes in this life. Some um, of our harvest happens in this life. Because God designed life, and he knows how your life ought to work best, and if you follow his commands, uh, it'll be better for you. And so <clears throat> you experience some pain and some problems, sometimes in this life, but not always. Um, years ago, there was a Christian newspaper where the Christian editor wrote this verse, a man reaps what he sows, and an atheist wrote in and said, I'm a farmer, and I don't believe in God, and... Uh, uh, my neighbor, he's a Christian, he tithes, he goes to church, I work on Sunday, do whatever I want to. In October, I had just the same yield from my crops as he had. And the editor wrote back in the paper, God doesn't settle his accounts in October. That, that's, that's true. Sometimes in this life, there, the law of the harvest works out in this life, but sometimes not. But there is coming a day of judgment when all accounts will be settled and every sin will be punished. R.G. Lee was a famous pastor at Bellevue Baptist in Memphis for years, and he had a famous sermon he preached all over America called Payday Someday. There's a payday coming someday, and that's true. Let me read you a couple of other verses that support what's being said in verse 7. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. These are the words of Jesus, and Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. You just want to let that sink in for just a minute? Boy, that, that, doesn't that convict you just a little bit? That everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word you've spoken. Not only the things you've done, but just the, the empty words we've spoken. Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty pressing, isn't it? I'll read you one more that Jesus said. It is in Luke chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. 
So judgment day is going to be an uncovering. See, God's perfectly just, and, and, and the just and holy God, every sin will be judged. Now, the only relief from the law of the harvest is in the death of Jesus. Because here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus has taken the punishment that we deserve for our sins, and so that if we believe in him, we don't have to experience the harvest of death and destruction that we have sown through sin in our lives. That's the good news of the gospel. You see, this is the amazing plan of God, that he can be at the same time merciful and still the perfectly just God. Every sin is going to be punished. The good news is, if you'll uncover your sins through confession and lay them on Jesus, then he'll take that just punishment. Every sin's still going to be punished, but Jesus will take your punishment. But if you cover up your sins, as this verse says, then they'll be uncovered on the day of judgment. But the good news is that God, who's also perfectly just, is also infinitely loving, and he sent his only son to take your harvest that you have sown in your life so that you don't have to harvest it. There will still be a harvest of death for every sin, but Jesus has died for you so that you don't have to take that. So I believe that when I stand in judgment, I will not have to give an account for every word that I have spoken. If I have confessed those sins and laid them on Jesus, then they're not going to be brought up again. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad to hear that? But the law of the har harvest is unbreakable. If you don't allow Jesus to be the punishment for your sins, then you are going to be punished for every sin. Every sin's going to be uncovered. Every sin's going to be laid bare. God is perfectly just, and there must be punishment for every sin. That's the law of the harvest. Let me read it to you again. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, even after you become a Christian and you lay your sins upon Jesus, the law of the harvest is still operational in your life so that this means that it's extremely important what you put into your mind and how you invest your life. So look at verse 8. Next verse. Another implication of the law of the harvest. It's important what you put in your mind and how you invest your life. Verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. If you've been with us through Galatians, you're familiar with these two concepts, the flesh and the Spirit that we've been talking about. But if you hadn't been, we're glad you're here. Let me just review and catch you up a little bit. In Galatians 5, it talks a great deal about the fact that when you're born, you have a sinful nature. Or here it's called the flesh. doesn't mean your body. Your body's not evil. It means that old, lower, sinful nature that has corrupted you, that's in every one of us. We're all born sinners. we got that old nature. But when you're born again, you get a new nature. You're, you have new desires, a new destination, a new character, a new life. And the Holy Spirit is given you as a gift. And he comes into your new nature and operates through that new nature to change you and transform you. But the old nature hangs on, so there's a battle going on between the flesh and the new nature led by the Spirit, between the flesh and the Spirit. So it's important what you put into your life because of the law of the harvest. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap, the word is destruction. That can refer to hell. If you don't come put your faith in Christ, you're going to go to hell. But it also means rottenness. 
or corruption. You ever gone to harvest a tomato and you reach in, oh, it's rotten. And it's, oh, it's, you reap rottenness when you sow to your flesh. So if you're putting things into your mind that are ungodly, that are impure, if you're putting thoughts of jealousy and, and, and rage and, and anger and bitterness toward people and lust, and then those things are going to produce a rottenness in your life. You don't need to, it's very important what you watch and what you listen to and, and, and what you see and the thoughts that you have and the conversations that you have because whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But on the other hand, the positive aspect of the law of the harvest is you can reap a good harvest if you'll sow right. Whoever, the last part of the verse says, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So if you'll put truth into your mind, if you'll, if you'll come to worship and let worship songs wash over you, if you'll read your Bible every day, if you'll have godly conversations, if you'll enjoy the beauty of God-created art and of this world of nature, if you'll put truth and beauty into your mind and if you'll reinforce the, the new nature, then the Spirit can be operational to produce a rich harvest in your life. And you, you, so, so think about how this applies in your life. And you say, man, I want a good marriage. I want a, a great marriage. Okay, good. Are you sowing seeds of trust and love and kindness and compassion in your marriage? Well, no. I've done some things that cause distrust and been really unkind. Well, then you're not going to har have a good harvest in your marriage until you sow the law of the harvest. means you've got to sow some things there. I want a pure mind. I don't want to have all these th impure thoughts all the time. And, uh, and Well, good. Have you been putting things into your mind that will lead to a pure mind? You cannot expect. You can't contravene the law of the harvest. And you can't expect a pure mind that's wholesome and is good if you're putting things into it that feeds the flesh. It's important how you invest your life and what you put into your mind. The law of the harvest applies not only what you sow in your life, but what you sow in the lives of others. Verse 9, up next verse, applies the law of the harvest uh, to, to what you do with your life, your, your ministry. And it says that this law of the harvest means that the work you do for the kingdom will bear fruit if you do not give up. The law of the harvest means there eventually will be a harvest for the investment of your life in good things if you just don't give up. The farmer has to be patient and wait. There's a, there's a delay, isn't there, between planting and harvest? So if you don't give up in your service to the Lord, I want to encourage you. If you're, if you're trying to live for Jesus and you're serving God through the church, and, man, sometimes you get discouraged and you teach middle school boys and you think they are not paying a bit of attention to anything I'm saying. I was a middle school boy in church. You hang in there with middle school boys in church. Are, are you, are you, you've been praying for a friend to come to know Christ, and there you just don't see any sign of that. Are you, are you been, you've been working at the office where you work to try to be a light, and boy, it just seems like there's no change there. And you're just tempted to give up. Could you re listen to verse 9? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, the word means season. Remember the word season. At the right season, Harvest time comes at a season later than planting time. At the right season, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's the challenge to you. You believe the law of the harvest. And if you're serving God, you don't give up. Because God has promised a harvest. I want to tell you a story. 
True story. Tom Dice. Tom Dice was uh, not a preacher, counselor, I think, lives in uh, Prince Albert, Canada, Saskatchewan. 1967, he felt the Lord laying it on his heart to rent the Orpheum Theater in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and show the Billy Graham film, The Restless One. Years ago, all these Christian movies that are coming out now, really the origin of it was the Billy Graham Evangelistic Service used to pr uh, produce Christian movies. And some of them were shown in regular theaters. Well, Tom Dice rented the local theater, the Orpheum, felt God strongly burdening his heart to show this movie, showed the movie The Restless One, 1967. Uh, at the end of every showing, every night, showed it for seven nights, he would walk out on the stage and he would get, explain the plan of salvation, already been shared in the movie, and he'd give an invitation and invite people to come forward and receive Christ. Sent his money to do this. He and some friends had prayed over it, did it seven nights in a row. Nobody ever responded in any of those showings of the movie. He felt like a failure. Uh, he thought, maybe I misunderstood God. Maybe this is just my idea. And he was pretty dejected about that. But he didn't give up in Christian ministry and continued to serve. Fast forward 35 years later. 35 years later, 2002, Franklin Graham, son of Billy Graham, doing a crusade in Saskatoon, another town in Saskatchewan. Tom Dice went to the organizational meeting willing to help in the crusade. And the guy organizing the crusade said, let's, as we begin, let's just encourage one another. Maybe the Graham family has, uh, has ministered to you in some way, and uh, you just want to give a testimony about it. There was a guy sitting there. He was a welder. He felt, man, he felt uh, reluctant to get up in front of all these preachers and others and to, to share, but felt God leading him to do so. His name was Alan Hutchinson. Alan Hutchinson said, well, I grew up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. I only went to the eighth grade, and so the only job I could get was cleaning beer storage tanks at Molson Brewery. And I cleared, cleaned beer storage tanks for a living. And the only benefit to that job, didn't have hospitalization or retirement, the only benefit was you could drink all the beer you wanted. And so he said I was an alcoholic. He said, but one night in 1967, I loaded my wife, my two kids, and our black VW Beetle, and went to the Orpheum Theater. And we saw a film, The Restless Ones. And at the end of it, some guy got up and said that if we'd pray and receive Christ as our Savior, it could change our lives. And I knew I needed a change in my life, but I didn't go forward. But he said, out in the parking lot, in our VW Beetle, we sat in our car, and my wife and I accepted Christ as our Savior. Began to raise our kids in a Christian home. Met a guy who discipled us, and we started a church. And uh, that church uh, uh, still going, going many people to Christ. And he said, my son, Jeff, He's vice president of the North American Mission Board for Southern Baptist, and he's planted churches all across Canada and across North America. Hundreds of people have come to know Christ, and it all started from us seeing the restless ones in 1967. Tom Dice was crying, and he stood up and said, I wondered if I was a failure. I wondered if I'd misunderstood God. I've never heard in 35 years that what I did ever affected one life. And now you stand and tell me that hundreds of people are in the kingdom of God because of that film. Here's what it says. Nevertheless, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You don't give up sharing your faith. You don't give up praying for friends and neighbors. 
You don't give up talking to people in your office or your workplace about Jesus. Because the law of the harvest doesn't guarantee the size of the harvest, doesn't guarantee that all your friends will come to know Christ, doesn't guarantee that every middle school boy will turn out well, but the law of the harvest guarantees the word will not return void. There'll be a harvest. You keep sowing in the lives of other people. You keep working for the kingdom of God. You remember the law of the harvest. So the law of the harvest finally in verse 10 means it's important for us to invest our lives in ministry while there is time. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity. The word opportunity in verse 10 is the same word as time in verse 9. Both of them mean season. We will reap, verse 9 said, at the proper season. Verse 10, therefore, as we have season or opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We have a great responsibility to our family of a church. That's our first priority care for and minister to one another but let's let us do good to all people because we will reap at the proper season this is not you know what season it is in the kingdom of god it's spring in the kingdom of god it's planting season in the kingdom of god there's coming harvest season that's in verse 9 we'll reap at the proper time but verse 10 says as we have season springtime's not going to last forever in the kingdom of god one day it's going to be fall, it's going to be autumn. Jesus is going to send his angels. The Father is going to send his angels and they're going to reap the harvest and separate it. And it's a limited time of opportunity, it is saying in verse 10, for us to use our lives and our gifts and our money and invest them wisely in the kingdom of God. It's planting time in the kingdom. There will be a harvest if we don't give up. You keep serving the Lord. We come to the end of the book of Galatians. I want to go through the closing, the conclusion of it for a few moments. I hope you've learned something about Galatians. I want to take this conclusion just to review for a moment that maybe this letter will stick in your mind. Verse 11 says Paul now takes the pen himself. He dictated his letters to a secretary, but it was customary in a lot of his letters he says this. He takes the pen at the end. He says in verse 11, See what large letters I use as I write to you in my own hand. So what does that mean? Well, it could mean he's just doing this for emphasis. You've ever had somebody send you an email and it's in all caps or a text in all caps, you know? Sort of like an all caps thing, maybe. Or it could mean, as we saw earlier, Paul may have had eye disease. It says it was because of illness. He first preached at Galatia. And he said, you would have torn your eyes out and given them to me. Paul may have been afflicted by some kind of eye disease and he's writing with large letters and that's the sign that they know it's him that he's not being impersonated this is how i write to you with my own hand and then he reviews the main emphasis of this letter you'll remember that at galatia paul had shared this gospel of faith in jesus christ as a way to salvation and there were those at galatia that were adding works to faith in order to be saved they were saying you had to become a jew to be a christian they were saying you had to be circumcised they were making this ritual as the sign that you had to be a part of if you were saved and paul said you're distorting the gospel and so he says in verse 12 those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of christ not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says the heart of Christianity is the cross. 
And he says, I'll glory, I'll boast, I'll exult in the cross. It's the heart of my faith. How strange that must have sounded to them. That was the method of execution in their day. It's like saying, I'll boast in the gas chamber. I will glory in the electric chair. But Paul had saying that Christianity has turned that instrument of death into a hope of life because it is through the death of Jesus that the law of the harvest is operational in his life instead of in mine, and I go scot-free, and that is the good news. And I'll glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. But he says in verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Let me ask you, have you been born again? That's what matters. It is not what ritual have you been a part of? Do you go to church? How good a person are you? Because you're not good. All that counts is the new creation. Have you been born again through faith in Jesus Christ? Paul says in verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. He says, not that you have to become a Jew to become a Christian, but that the church is the Israel of God. Both Jew and Gentile who come to the cross of Jesus are the new people of God, the new Israel of God. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. Paul's sort of ticked off in this letter. He's just, he's really just a little ticked off. Let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. He's been hit with the Roman rods. He's been lashed. And he says, these are just marks that I belong to Jesus. And I'm preaching his gospel. Verse 18, the last verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. God's built into his universe the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. That can be an encouragement if you're involved in ministry. That's a warning if you're living a life of sin. The good news is that God in his infinite love has constructed a way which the law of the harvest will still be operational, but you can experience his mercy. And that is he has allowed his precious son Jesus to take the harvest of our sin in infinite depth in the perfect Son of God. And that if you'll believe in Him, you can be relieved from the law of the harvest. It'll still be operational in the way you live, still important what you do. But you won't die and go to hell because Jesus has experienced hell for every one of us. I'll glory in the cross. I exalt in the cross of Jesus Christ. What counts? is that new creation. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation. If today you would embrace the cross of Jesus, you believe in him, claim his death as being upon your behalf, if you'd be born again, be created new, then I'd invite you to walk forward, meet me here, another pastor here. You can be baptized in coming days. Somebody will pray with you here today to receive Christ as Savior, answer questions. If you want to join our church in the same way, we invite you to come as God speaks to your heart.
Thank you. Please be seated again, if you will. We're going to give our offerings now as we worship God together. And if you have a guest card, you can place that in the offering plate as you choose.